0: Praise the Lord. Well, uh, open your Bibles and uh, turn to the Gospel of Luke. If uh, you're following along or taking notes there, we want to look at this. We've been talking the last uh, few weeks on uh, the seven dimensions of a Spirit-filled disciple. And we are, you know, talking about one aspect, seven aspects in total, but one aspect each week. And uh, those aspects are... um, to, uh, to happen simultaneously in our lives. It's not like, you know, you, you achieve one and then you go to the next and, you know, that sort of thing, or even that they build upon each other. Uh, they are seven dimensions that, that we uh, demonstrate with our lives each and every day. And uh, so, but we do want to take them one at a time and kind of explore them. And today we're talking about being on mission, being on mission. Is, the mission that Jesus commended us to uh, embrace and to accomplish each and every day, kind of live each day with the mission in mind, is uh, important for us as being disciples. Now, we, we talked about uh, the Word of God. That's one dimension of a Spirit-filled disciple, is that we are, we are engaged and active in the Word of God. And uh, one of the ways that we do that is by reading it, Okay. Uh, there is just no replacement for it. I wish that, you know, we had a USB port on the side of our head. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And we could just, you know, USB port in our, in our Bible and we could just connect the two and download it and it would just be there. Save us a lot of time. Save us a lot of, you know... Uh, just, you know, the time for reading and energy expended there. But the the fact is that there is no other way but to directly engage the Word of God. Now, you can listen to it on tape. There's audio versions, uh, tape that's probably—I keep dating myself this morning, right? Um, what is it? Uh, you can download the Bible and listen to it on your phone. Uh, and, uh, and that's certainly viable and a good thing to do, but, you know, there's just the old-fashioned open the Bible and read it, and, and we encourage you to do that. And then the second dimension that we've covered so far is uh, engaging the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, each and every day, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He guides us. He directs us and uh, helps us with what we're doing today, talking about staying on mission and accomplishing the, the mission that Jesus gave to every disciple that follows him. In fact, Jesus, uh, it, we're in Luke chapter 9, if you're, if you're ready to open your Bible there, and uh, there's something here that, that we don't uh, necessarily catch that I want to I just maybe talk about a little bit. Jesus here is at the height of his popularity, okay, in his earthly ministry, he has crowds, and the Bible describes them as multitudes that are following him. Now, the, the pinnacle of Jesus' popularity and, and acceptance by the multitudes uh, there in Israel uh, came after the feeding of the 5,000. Do you remember that story? Okay, that on the hillside there that Jesus had been preaching for three days. You think I have long sermons? You, you need to hear Jesus, Okay. <laughs> He goes on for three days, and uh, so and nothing to eat, no snacks, you know, no fish crackers for everybody, uh, you know, just three days, and uh, the disciples were starting to get kind of worried and panicky, and and they said, you know, hey, we need to send these these people away from here, and, you know, it's going to look bad in the newspaper. Can you imagine the Jerusalem Post in the morning? Multitudes die from starvation from listening to the long-winded preacher. And, uh, you know, so they're kind of nervous about this, and and uh, they have, of course, secured a little bit of help for themselves by commandeering a little boy's lunch of loaves and fishes, and, and uh, they want Jesus to send them away, and Jesus gives them, you know, the the uh, command to feed them, which, you know, blows their mind. But Jesus begins to break the bread and the fish, and he feeds the multitude, and there is 12 basketfuls left over. So uh, I, I explain all that to say, you know, the, the multitudes are saying, hey, you know what? This is a pretty good deal. We get to sit around and listen to this guy. We've never heard anybody like him before. He speaks like nobody else. And then we get free lunch thrown in. Let's, let's, uh, let's stick with this. So, so Jesus goes on. The multitudes follow him. And then Jesus does something here that, that absolutely uh, kind of wrecks all of that. And, uh, and he's calling them to the mission. Luke chapter 9, I'm going to start reading at verse 23 and go through 26, and then we'll... Uh, take a look at some other verses here Luke 9 23 says then he said to them all if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me For whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost. For whoever is ashamed of me, and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. So Jesus is calling the multitude, if you really want to follow me, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and then follow me. So, Here the crowd is faced with this dilemma. Jesus is calling them to mission. He's calling them to uh, follow him, and it is at a cost. Jesus said several things uh, in his earthly ministry uh, that are characterized by hard sayings. In fact, in, uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus delivered one of these hard sayings, John chapter 6 and verse 60. It says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? What he's talking about, you know, is like, if it means what I think it means, I don't know that I'd like it. And then it says just six verses later in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They left the free lunch behind. They left following Jesus. They did not want to accept the mission that Jesus was calling them to. And so when we talk about this this morning, that, you know, spirit-filled disciples are on mission for Christ, um, it's not always easy. And it is something that we count the cost, and it is something that, that we soberly assess to engage in that uh, Jesus is calling. You know, Jesus will always speak the truth to us, and and that's an important thing, even truths that we don't want to hear. Um, How many know that sometimes truth is a hard thing to hear, right? We sometimes, it's just like, no, 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 don't tell me truth, lie to me, please lie to me. Tell me what I want to hear. Uh, You know, sometimes we just don't have the stomach, if you will, for hearing something that is true because it's hard it's hard to accept and and it costs us something and and uh, even jesus now you think everything works out for jesus not everything worked out for jesus uh you know it's like even among his closest associates the 12 disciples one of them betrayed him so not everything worked out for Jesus. You know, we think Jesus had this kind of life where he could just, you know, multiply loaves and fishes and, and uh, you know, uh, create wine out of water and all of these things. And uh, yeah, Jesus had it easy. Not true, not true. Jesus called his disciples and those who were following or wanted to follow him to account. And he does so to us today. There's a cost of following Jesus. And uh, he will always speak the truth to us, even if it means we turn away from him. To be his disciple is to be on his mission, and as Jesus said, to seek and to save that which was lost. So I want to talk about, you know, this dimension of being on mission as, as a spirit-filled disciple. And, uh, you know, the, of course the Word of God is our foundation, we covered that. And then to engage in walking with the Spirit each and every day, him giving us direction, and and you know what, uh, you know, reading your Bible and walking in the Spirit are absolutely connected. You, you really cannot do one without the other. And if you want to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you, He always operates on the Word of God. So when the Word of God is in us, He has something to work with. And He brings that to our attention, and He is able to help direct our, our thoughts and our, and our path. So let's talk about, what a spirit-filled disciple is and does, and uh, and being on mission, and that is that the spirit-filled disciple prioritizes the the great commission. Now we have all these titles here, and. And I don't want to get lost in that. But what is the Great Commission? Well, it's the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples uh, before he ascended back to the Father. Matthew chapter 28 in verses 18 and 20. This is the mission. Jesus delineates the mission. And uh, this is what we are to be on task doing until Jesus returns for us. So Matthew 28 verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. So we could shorten the mission to just this, right, to to get our attention. Make disciples, not just followers, not just converts, not just people who say, yeah, I believe in God, or I'm a nice person, to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's interesting here that Jesus talks about the end of the age and the Great Commission because those two are tied. In Matthew twenty four fourteen, Jesus also said this. He said, In this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, why? As a result of the Great Commission, right, go to all the nations and make disciples of all nations, right? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus is always tying this, this mission, this Great Commission, to his coming again and the close of this age. And, uh, and that's up to you and I. That You and I, when we are on mission, we are accomplishing this very thing, is making disciples of everyone that we come in contact with. And, and this is why we exist. This is why the church exists. And uh, we are not doing this. We are not doing what Jesus commanded us to do. And uh, we, are, we are not going to go anywhere unless we are on mission, you know, in, in uh, you know, anytime we've been given a mission, that's the priority. You know, whether it's in a business, uh, whether it's in the army. You know, if the if an army is given a mission to do and they go and do something else, that army's not going to not going to function. It's not going to work. You have to do the mission. The mission's the priority. The mission at any cost. And uh, for us We are to accomplish this mission, to go into all the earth and make disciples of all the nations. And, you know, um, if we're not doing that, we are not doing what Jesus commanded us to do. Jesus didn't call us to just be nice people, okay? When Jesus left the earth, his last words were not, just be, you know, nice guys, okay? You know, just be kind, Jesus didn't give us that as a mission. Now it's nice to be nice and it's nice to be kind and all of those things, but that's not the mission. Sometimes we like to just, you know, trade that away because uh, that's hard. And, you know, just say, well, you know, I'm a Christian because I'm I'm nice and I'm kind and you know, and I take in little animals, you know, that need help and, and that sort of thing. Oh, that's great. All oh, that's great, but it's not the mission. There's one mission. And it is to reach those who don't know Christ as Savior and Lord. You know, there's an application for the Great Commission in our in our state. Last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit uh, from Acts chapter one and verse eight, where it says, you know, that we'll be given power when the Holy Ghost comes upon us, and that we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so that's our pattern. And so we have an application for the Great Commission right here in Kenai. Uh, New Life Assembly exists for one purpose, one mission, and that is to reach lost people and to make disciples of the ones that we reach. We partner with others, uh, you know, to... uh, uh, you know, keep with the process of discipleship. You know, one of the, one of the important things, and I consider among the most important things that we do here at New Life Assembly, God is disciple our children. And uh, you know, when when we have our 10:30 service uh, here in just uh, you know about 45 minutes, there are going to be volunteers that are with our children, classrooms, and and uh, in the process of fulfilling the mission that we have been given to make disciples we want to make disciples of every person children young people and adults and that is the process and really that's our jerusalem you know we do it right here in our community in which we live And then, you know, there's application for the Great Commission beyond just our community, the the state, you know, that we partner with others to be able to send others to places in our own state where not all of us can go. You know, they estimate uh, around 250 places in Alaska where people live. You can call them villages, you can call them communities, whatever. 250 places where people live in our state that there is no gospel witness it might be a really small community of a dozen or so people. It might be a little, a little larger of 120 or or 200 people that live in these places. But we have over 250 in our own state that need the gospel. And that is our mission. And we do partner with, with uh, those who... Uh, are, are making every attempt to, to reach our state. We share that with you often. We, um, you know, New Life Assembly of God is a missions church. We, we support missions, not only here in our community, but in our state. And then beyond that, uh, there's our country, and, and we partner with others who can go to places beyond where, where we are. And then this application of the Great Commission to go into all the world. We partner with missionaries who go to places in different cultures and languages. Last Sunday, if you recall, we shared with you a videotape of Ashley Hamilton, who's part of our church and and uh, felt the call to go and uh, is serving the Lord in Africa um, for this year. And, uh, you know, that that is just really exciting because, you know, that is a personal, uh, you know, way that we can see that we are part of a global outreach of being on the mission that Jesus has called us to to make disciples of every nation you know it's it's amazing to to think of logistics you know not all of us will go not all God will not call all of us to Africa okay and a lot of us just said Phew, okay right uh, <laughs> uh, that used to be the the thing you know it was like oh lord uh, Just don't call me to Africa. Um, But uh, he may. He may call some of us. He called one of us, Ashley, from our very own church to go to Africa. Not everybody goes to Africa. You know, there are a lot of countries in the world, and we send them to all kinds of places. But those who can't go, send. And it takes a whole lot of people to help send one. And uh, and that is the part that, that, that you and I are on mission for. Uh, Long-term, short-term, we are called to fulfill the mission that God has placed uh, before us. One of the things that, um, you know, especially in reaching our our own community here, uh, is a Spirit-filled disciple is on mission when he creates community with the lost world around us. You know, when, when we befriend, when we have a relationship with people who don't yet know Jesus. Um, Jesus is a great example of this. The story is just really encouraging and heartwarming here. Luke chapter 19, and, and it's a little longer passage than I normally read, but I want to read verses 1 through 10. Uh, it's a story of Zacchaeus. And uh, if you don't know the story of Zacchaeus, we're going to read most of it here, and, uh, and we'll then talk about it. So chapter 19, verse 1 Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and how many already don't like him, all right, okay? (laughs) Chief tax collector, not a tax collector, a chief one, and he was rich, Hmm, suspect, right? And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was Of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, the religious crowd that was with him, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Can you imagine? (laughs) Here Jesus did that. Then Jesus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, what Jesus did was very strategic here in creating community with somebody who didn't share faith, who was not part of the faith community. It was outside that community, but Jesus extended that community to him for the purpose of influencing Zacchaeus to faith. And I think we have a lot to learn here as a church. And, you know, we... uh, Uh, can accomplish the mission for which Jesus uh, gave us by creating community with those who don't share our faith. Um, You know, Jesus was often, you know, accused of of being with non-faith people. But Jesus didn't do it so that he could be influenced by them, but the other way around. He created community with non-faith people so that he could influence them. He sought community with them for that purpose. You know, one of the, one of the tragedies of religion, and, and it's, a, it's a conundrum, it is a conundrum, and difficult to navigate, um, that, that religion tends to exclude those who are not part of the initiated, okay so if we're part of the church we tend we'll, we can talk about this <laughs> at some point but you know we tend to exclude those who need the very message that that we have because they're sinners right and we don't want that influence you know on our children or on ourselves or whatever and so we we kind of have this this tension that we deal with all the time because you know those people do things and say things and participate in things that, that we don't recommend, that, that aren't helpful to our lives. And, and, uh, and so we, we tend to avoid and exclude when somehow there needs to be a way to reach even those. And the mission demands it. Jesus didn't exclude criminals. Jesus didn't exclude harlots, foreigners, lepers, or even religious people. Wherever he found an open heart, he went. And I think that's something a spirit filled disciple, we need direction and guiding of the Holy Spirit. We need to be grounded in the Word of God so that we can go into places that aren't church, <laughs> that aren't already saved, in order to reach those who still need Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verses 11, 12. It says, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's like, what in the world is he doing? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Can you imagine a hospital saying, oh, you can't come in here because you're sick? It's essentially sometimes the effect that we have Uh, saying to those who don't share our faith, well, we can't have anything to do with you because you don't share my faith. When they need a relationship, they need community in order to explore what our faith is all about. And then we could demonstrate that and share that with them. A third thought here for a Spirit-filled disciple on mission is that they have a focus to lead others to Jesus. And so that, that is the mission you know, we can say it in a lot of different ways here, but, but our focus is to lead someone to Christ. I think one of the greatest enduring evidences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last Sunday, you know, we talked about initial evidence, we talked about, you know, what is the first evidence of being baptized in water? Well, you can tell immediately somebody's been baptized in water because they're wet, right? You baptize them in water, they're wet. That's the first evidence of them being baptized in water. There should be other evidences that flow from there. You don't want to walk around wet every day, right, just to demonstrate you've been baptized in water. But there should be character issues that, that um, we... Uh, positive ones that that we demonstrate each and every day as a result of that experience. Same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The initial, the first evidence is is the ability to speak in other tongues. But there should be many other evidences of that experience. And among them is a passion to win souls for Christ. Um, Go back to Acts 1-8. We've already referred to this. But Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What is that power for? And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That power is to witness. And, and when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, one of the evidences that, that we should be uh, demonstrating is a passion to win souls for Christ. In the latter part of the 18th century, um, there was a man by the name of John Hyde. And he was an early missionary to the nation of India. It was hard going. Uh, uh, was, it wasn't a fertile uh, field when John Hyde arrived. And uh, there were not a lot of Christian uh, converts uh, who embraced Christ in those early days. And, and uh, one of the barriers to John Hyde was the fact that he stuttered heavily. So it made his speaking very difficult in trying to witness and communicating the gospel, and especially in a, in a language that he barely knew. So he would pray. He would pray a lot. He would pray hours. And um, he prayed so intensely and for such long periods that it actually uh, was detected that it had affected his heart. And his heart was moved from the left side of his chest, to the right side of his chest, and, and uh, other health issues because of the intensity with which, and the length of time in which he would pray. Um, but when he would pray, he would come into a community with a team of other people, and, and uh, other people would, would share the gospel in and, and, uh, different capacities. And, but his job was to pray, and they noticed when John Hyde uh, would pray and was present that revival would happen and uh converts to christianity would come in that nation of israel and and uh john hyde became known as praying hyde that's the way that they would refer to him was oh that's praying hyde and he's here to pray and uh, the prayer that he prayed so fervently was, Lord, give me souls. And he would bear down on that intensely for long periods of time, and it eventually became, Lord, give me one soul today, or I die. And that was the emphasis of praying Hyde's life. As a Lord, give me one soul today, someone that I can lead to saving knowledge of Christ. And you know, we as believers that are on mission, we need to exemplify an, a, a passion for souls, people who don't know Christ. That means we have to reach them in some way. In, in some way, we have to cross that chasm uh, to uh, help them to, to know who Jesus is. And, and uh, like John Hyde, developed that passion, a focus, to accomplish the mission that Jesus has put us on. And right here in our community, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, may go on short-term mission trips. Very few of us will probably go on long-term mission assignments. But, you know, every single day we can be on mission in the community in that we live. And uh, whether it's an unsaved neighbor, whether it's uh, a friend or co-worker, somehow create the community uh, with them and reach them so that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord as well. And so as we kind of wrap this up today, um, I think it would be appropriate thing to just ask, you know, do you know Christ as your Savior and Lord? We believe that Jesus is coming again. And, and uh, you know, we saw the remembrance and listened to the words today what happened 21 years ago on this date, 9-11, how many people perished in that day without knowing Christ as their Savior? How many would have known Christ had someone connected with them that was on mission? We'll never know. But for you today, you can make that decision. Make Jesus your Savior and Lord. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need Christ. It goes on to say in Acts chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. But the good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you believe that, you believe that Jesus can and will forgive you of your sin, then all you have to do is confess that today. You can bow our heads. And you can just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I've done a lot of things wrong. I've hurt feelings. I've not told the truth. I've done things that Lord, I am ashamed to admit. But I know that you can forgive me of my sin. I know that you died on the cross to make that possible. I ask you today, would you forgive me of my sin? Lord, make me into a person that wants to Tell others about you to be on mission. And Lord, I ask you today, would you come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. And Lord, help me to live the life of the disciple, of what a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. Lord, with your help, because I can't do it alone. So I confess you now that you are my Lord and Savior. And Lord, I ask you, guide and direct me how to live And Lord, help me to bring others with me on this journey of knowing Jesus, we pray. Amen.